0: We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lourdesdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Humility is one of those elusive and paradoxical virtues. If you think you have it, you probably don't. Uh, If you don't think you have it, then maybe you do. The great Don Shula was coach of the uh, Miami Dolphins back in the 1970s. He only coached to have a perfectly undefeated season, winning the Super Bowl a couple times. And he was vacationing with his family up in northern Maine one summer, uh, his wife and his four children. And uh, it was a rainy day, so they thought they'd take in uh, an early matinee movie. And so uh, they arrived in, the, in town and uh, went into the movie theater. And when they came in, the people turned around, saw Don and his family, and they started cheering. And uh, Don was uh, t- kind of taken aback, and, and he uh, nodded to his wife. He said, wow, he says, we're already, we're way up in northern Maine, and the people know who we are. They must get the dolphins up here on TV. And Uh, And so then a man came back and shook Don Shula's hand and said, I sure am glad to see you. And uh, so Don said to the man, he says, Well, how'd you know it was me? And he says, Mister, I don't know you from Adam, but he said the theater manager told us that unless five more people came in today, that there wouldn't be a movie. (laughs) So he was uh, naturally humbled by that experience. And, uh, and uh, part of humility is being able to laugh at yourself. And Don certainly uh, laughed as he told that story. And uh, we think of uh, the Lord who says, those who are exalted will be humbled, and those who are humbled will be exalted, as Mary prayed in her Magnificat. And we see in the gospel today an example of pride, the Pharisee, who comes to the temple and takes his position in in the very front. And he stands up and he prays not to God, but to himself. He's essentially self-centered. He really doesn't need God, uh, but he thinks that he is the one who is righteous and approved by God. And he says, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like the rest of men. He says, I'm not greedy, dishonest, or adulterous. And in fact, uh, not only do I not do those sinful things, but I do everything right according to the law. I I fast twice a week, I pay tithes on all my income, and look at me, how wonderful I am. And he's very self-absorbed, and he is the epitome of pride, Uh, somebody who really doesn't need God, but... Uh, it likes the approval of other people. And then, by contrast, we see uh, the tax collector, uh, who's the lowly one. Uh, we know that tax collectors were hated by their fellow Jews. They were considered to be in league with the Romans, who were the oppressors. Uh, they were also known to cheat uh, many of their subjects. Uh, they could exact whatever they could over the amount of tribute that was to be paid to Rome and keep it for themselves. So they would gouge uh, the poor Jewish people. So so they were hated even by their fellow Jews. And so uh, this tax collector who is despised, he enters, he stays uh, to the back of the temple and all he can do is beat his breast and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. He's a man who knows that he's a sinner, and he's not afraid to face that fact and to admit it. So though the Pharisee had all these other things, he didn't have the one thing necessary, that reliance on God. Though the tax collector seemed to have nothing in the eyes of God or men, he had the most important thing, that humility that realized how much... He was dependent on God and uh, cast himself on the mercy of God. So humility is the most important virtues. When St. Augustine was asked uh, to rank the greatest virtues in religion, he said uh, the first is humility. And he said the second is humility. The third, humility, that we can never... Uh, get enough of humility. It's the foundation really of all the other virtues. It's because it teaches us to depend on God upon whom we rely for our life, our breath, uh, any virtues or goodness that we have. It, it's due to God in his mercy. So Jesus shows us the meaning of humility himself. He says, learn from me for I am meek and humble of heart. It's one of the the characteristic virtues of the heart of Jesus Christ. We know Adam and Eve sinned because they were not humble in their pride. They sought to be like God, striving to be something beyond what they were as humans, wanting to be like God's. And Satan tempted them with that and reaching beyond and disobeying God We know they fell from grace and they suffered the guilt and the shame that also humbled them and they had to learn that lesson of humility as we all do when we sin. Jesus Christ uh, was the opposite. He went in the opposite direction of Adam and Eve. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at or clung to. Rather, he emptied himself of his divinity in order to share in our humanity. So the Pharisee, though, he says, he says, I thank you that I'm not like the rest of men. But Jesus Christ, in his humility, became one of us. Uh, he took on our human nature, and he shared in it, and he shows us what it is to be human, and he empties himself of, And not only does he become man, but he humbles himself to be the servant of men. And he says, whoever is the greatest among you must be the servant of others. And not only did he serve us, but he went to die for us, sharing in our human nature to the point of drinking to the dregs of death itself. And therefore, God exalted him and gave him the name above every other name so that we could all say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And so the humble are truly exalted as Jesus is exalted in his resurrection after experiencing the extreme humiliation of crucifixion and death. We have all certainly been humbled in recent days as we saw the attorney general's report and we experience the collective shame uh, in our church of uh, abusers, even of children and church leaders who did nothing to stop that uh, years ago, and that is certainly a blight on all of us. It's something that we feel keenly, and sometimes it might make us feel ashamed to be Catholic, uh, and yet we know that God Himself was not ashamed to take on our human nature. We think of Jesus at his baptism in the Jordan. It was a baptism of repentant sinners uh, turning back to God. And Jesus, though he was not a sinner, he entered into that baptism, into the waters of the Jordan. And John even said, It's not I who should be baptizing you, but you should be baptizing me. But Jesus. Uh, took upon himself the shame of his nation. And as a member, as a fellow Jew, as a human being, uh, he took that sin upon himself to the point where St. Paul would say of of the Lord that though he was without sin, he became sin for our sake. And he bore that and he washed us clean uh, by his entering into our sinfulness. So Jesus, though he was without sin, uh, bore that sin. And uh, for us, uh, we are certainly not innocent. None of us. uh, We're all sinners. We all uh, need the mercy of God, and yet those sins of others bear upon us, and we feel that shame and that collective guilt, but we should not let it weigh us down that the Lord has borne that Uh, upon himself he bore that shame for us when he died the shameful death on the cross and we know that the Lord is purifying his church that it's better that these sins not remain hidden but that they be brought into the light so that we can receive the Lord's mercy and and be purified uh, as a church And so the Lord is preparing that spotless bride of uh, the church. Mary is the one who is the sinless one who proclaims at her magnific- uh, Magnificat that God, who is mighty, has done great things for her and that he has cast down the mighty from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. So we remain lowly in humility, uh, especially in these days. We experience that and we share in Christ, in his humility, and we know that he has borne that for us. And so rather than be discouraged, let us be encouraged, and many of the good things that have taken place in the last 20 years to, to heal the church of these uh, terrible sins and to protect our children and uh, our leadership now is, is doing a good job and so we can be hopeful for the future. I'd like to also read a letter from Archbishop Aquila. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, several months ago I informed you that the three dioceses of Colorado were voluntarily entering into an agreement with the state attorney general, Phil Weiser, to conduct an independent review of all diocesan priest files related to the sexual abuse of minors from 1950 to the present. The review was conducted by former U.S. attorney Bob Troyer, who released his report this past week. The report contains accounts from our past that are truly disturbing, and I join my brother bishops in condemning the horrific actions described in it. On behalf of myself and the rest of the church, I am truly sorry for the pain and hurt that victims of the abuse have endured, and for any time the church's leaders failed to prevent it. In addition to its painful chapters, the independent review identified no substantiated allegations against diocesan priests assigned to active ministry. The report also noted that the archdiocese has not received a substantiated allegation against a diocesan priest since 1998. Finally, the report says that the training and prevention policies we have in place are effective while also making six recommendations for improvement. We are moving forward with all the report's recommendations. We began this initiative with the Attorney General to pursue healing for the victims of abuse and greater transparencies about the church's role in addressing it. My sincere hope is that this report provides some small measure of justice and healing for victims and the church as a whole. There is much more to say about this report than can be covered in this short announcement. For that reason, I have written a longer letter and compiled a list of frequently asked questions to answer any questions you might have. These are available to you today in your parish. You can also visit uh, the Archdiocesan website for more details. Please join me in praying for the continued healing of survivors of sexual abuse and their families. Please also pray for the priests that serve our archdiocese today who are doing so under difficult circumstances and often in admirable ways. May God bless you, sincerely yours in Christ, Most Reverend Samuel J. Aquila, Archbishop of Dent.